along the West Coast. An unhappy couple. Destroyed lives and fulfilled fantasies. Really, you two? Do better. to What Did You Do, that podcast that talks true crime and why they did it. And also why we're late. Yeah. Always. <laughs> that. <laughs> that. Just want to apologize in advance for being super late. I It's all of our faults. Yeah. I don't know. It was know. a combination of things and stuff. Dee um, decided that it would, she would take the blame this yeah, time. Yeah, I would take it. Um, I had um, educational things to do. As we both. I was learning how to say specific last name. I could have almost fucked up specific. Specific last names. So, uh, and I yeah. was told to stop making fun of you for your Haitianisms, which sounds like racism, but I can't get it. <laughs> who said that? I don't know who. I think it was Catherine. That's awesome. <laughs> she was like, stop making fun of D or like let D talk. I was like, I let D talk. She just asked me to talk. <laughs> I'm like, say this last name because I don't, I don't know what it is. Yeah. Things with too many consonants and not enough vowels confuse me. Yeah, I just don't try. That's why I don't. You've seen me on episodes. I'm like, I'm not gonna say this name right, and I'll like give minimum effort because doing too much seems disrespectful. I always pass the ball to you. I'm like, go ahead, try it. But even then, like information that you're like, you say this because this is gruesome, and I don't want to say it out loud. And I'm like, okay, I'll do. I'll be that yeah, guy. Yeah, no. A lot of people are. A lot of people see it as me being a man and like mansplaining or stepping on you it has nothing to do oh, with that no. it has everything to do with the fact that i'm told and asked to I yeah did. i love to talk about <laughs> background um a connection story how they meet the first victim i don't necessarily want to talk about how they got chopped up a hundred times like that's not a thing that i really want to talk about even though it's kind of what got me into true crime okay, was great. Like, <laughs> it was i'm not gonna sit here in front of y'all like i love procedural stuff but like that it was the like the the disconnect from humanity that happens in those moments and why i was like what is that i've written so many papers about <laughs> like detachment and disassociation now that i'm just like i want all of it give me i need to know these things i need to pick their brains so that's exactly my i need to pick their brains but i don't necessarily need to know what they did to pick their brains i just want to know what led them there in their head well, to know where someone's been, you got to know where they're going, where like like all these things. So there's... no, I see you chopped up the buddy five hundred times, but let me figure out the rest. <laughs> the ones that came before. Housekeeping. Housekeeping. You know, people don't like us talking too long, so I <laughs> it's so petty. I'm not sitting on people's feelings. Neither, neither am I. We've got some housekeeping to take care of. Patreon, Patreon, yes. patrons. Oh, babies. We got some more cool names. Not really. They're fun names, though. I only we got say first names. Hayden McDaniel. Hey, Hayden. And Tiffany White. Hey, Tiffany. So they were fun. They are fun. Shout out to you guys. Thank you for supporting us in the way that you do. Merci beaucoup. I appreciate that. Um, I also realized I was saying one of our uh, listeners' names wrong. For every episode that we're talking about the Patreon rewards, mm-hmm. I was always calling this dude Saul. His name is Silas. Oh, and yeah. I knew it was Silas. Whoa. And the only reason I knew it was Silas because Silas then asked to join What Did You Crew? Oh. And I'm like, Silas, so you're Silas. That's probably why he didn't answer you. He, was like, no, he knew it. He saw the email because <laughs> I, I, I re-reached out and I said, hey, I saw you just joined the crew. I need your shirt size and I need this. And, I need, <laughs> <laughs> like, and he's like, so sorry. I've got a lot of things going on. But like, this is my size. And I was like, okay, dope. Love you. All right. All right. That is it. Uh, what did you crew join it? 
Yeah, do it's it. Fun. It's fun. It's messy. I did that whole like a Florida man challenge. Just, oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I meant to. I meant to go through and like follow up with that. I just left it. Mine there. wasn't so good. It was boring. Mine has something to do with llamas, I think, which makes sense. Oh, I guess that's Um, so check that out. Crime Con, Crime Con. If you're gonna meet so us exciting. out there, I know I bought my plane tickets. Like it's exciting. Okay, I'm getting there. I'm getting my right. life together slowly but surely. It's like okay, so it just might be me at Crime Con. <laughs> no, I'm contracted to go. <laughs> How are we going to get you there? Affordable. <laughs> That's not an ad, but we should talk about it. Um, I'm sending an email. But CrimeCon, use our code WDYD19 to get 10% off standard badges. Look at that skill. No hesitation when you said that. It's what I do, man. I'm an orator or whatever the word would be. Um, but this episode is a listener uh, suggestion. Right. Yay, yay, yay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We this- are covering, if you couldn't tell by the the title of the episode, <laughs> right? Gerald and Charlie and Jalego. Jalego, Jalego. For all you people that are uh, blind <laughs> listening and then just play the like, audio without looking at the title, I want to know who you are. Right. Because you're a risk taker and I appreciate. I always appreciate when I upload it and then like I go back to the page just to make sure I did everything right. Mm-hmm. And it's like... 35 listens i'm like really how did this happen like you just see the purple like for me it's a purple apple podcast and you just touch it like perfect i was waiting on this it's 2 a.m when we did andrew <laughs> my cousin like got the notification already and he was like no got it and i sent it to him because he was one of his yeah. requests so he's like i got it i'm like okay well that was I quick did. don't care this is, <laughs> I, I appreciate you for loving on us Oh, uh, but also I do appreciate all of you for just listening it's for real. it's been so much fun yeah uh, and sorry we're late starting next time we will be on time I promise you, I'm holding us both to a higher standard because we should be evolving as human beings, right? So we'll do that. And also, we have a welfare check coming up. Yes. Look out for that because we, again, we're students, guys. You know? <laughs> it's <laughs> really the end all be all. This, like, is, we're, this is we're, not. We're in school. Yeah, we don't get paid to do this, but we are paying to go somewhere <laughs> else. Right. Like we, somebody's got somebody's to lose. And unfortunately, it's you guys sometimes. But we always bounce back. Yep. So let's talk about this, sis. In the beginning, sometimes there wasn't the heaven and the earth. There was Gerald Gallego. Yes. <laughs> Gerald Gallego. No, that, that I don't. Again, a last name that I do not know. Is that what we're doing the entire we're, episode? We're I, going. Gla, gla, the whole, but Gerald was born June 17, 1946. My um, aunt's birthday. His upbringing was a little <laughs> difficult to say the least. Um, it's an understatement. Yeah. His mom had numerous boyfriends. Um, these boyfriends beat him um, throughout her relationships with them. Um, she later became a prostitute, and he was abused by some of her clients as well. So very early on, Joe was, you know, into or not into, but like led into a life of abuse, trauma. Um, he saw it at an early age, so that will definitely form his later life. His natural father, who was a... Not there at all. No, because he was doing time in San Quentin when <laughs> he was born. Wasn't his name Gerald as well? Yeah. Yeah. Um, his father uh, was in jail, yes, and later was executed for t- killing two policemen. So there is no possible way that we can say that family wasn't involved in why Gerald became Gerald. Right. So we, I mean, part of this is... Uh... Mm, yeah, so part of this I would go as far as to say socialization. I, I mean, there, there have been studies that crime and criminality can be hereditary. 
you know not hereditary but, but also like environment so well, if it wasn't hereditary it was environmental well this is what i'm saying because yeah. I, I my argument for this and on all my classes has always been like something can't be inherent someone can't be inherently criminal right because one laws change all the time mm-hmm. and it's all perspective right? right it's what wherever your moral compass is so how do we know that this person's going to be criminal if right. you if someone's if people believe that being gay is wrong and they criminalize it, if someone's born gay that that's not because they're criminals it's because you made them criminal you know yeah, so you like for it, me yeah. it's like i i i argue back with those points that we now mm-hmm. if there's some kind of deviant behaviors where you're not we your brain doesn't allow you to adapt to environments, then that would cause you to be criminal. Then I'll argue that. Well, that, I mean, again, he had that <laughs> with his father going in against him, his mother's right. trauma to him. And then like, we learned that that trauma stops the growth of um, people's like development of yeah. children's brain. So going through abuse that lo- young probably traumatized him. And oh, I agree. Up. Yeah. So I think he it was like a definitely whole... emotionally stunted. There's a lot of not processing certain certain emotions like anger properly, right? And aggression, there not understanding. So like, if you guys can't tell, Gerald is uh, not going to be a good person in the story. No, I mean most people that we talk <laughs> about are. Yeah. Good people. The only people, the only decent people we come across are uh, victims. No. Like, and yeah. so like I, I when I this story reminds me of the Colleen Stan story a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. or a case. I don't call it a story because it's true. Yeah. Like, but yeah. no. So it's a uh, this is this is going to be a little bit messy. So I'm glad that you guys are along for the ride. Cause... Yeah. And a uh, trigger warning now. Uh, definitely some sexual abuse goes yeah. on. Um, trauma. Uh, what else? Anything else? Because they were abuse, yeah, we yeah. covered it all. Yeah, drug use too. There's a lot of there's drug a lot use. of drug use mentioned in this, right? Um, but you're right. He did grow up around a lot of of less than savory characters. We could say that mm-hmm. his family uh, was full of murderers, child molesters. Like right. he, there's, there's nowhere he could go. There was no there was that no was way. emotionally safe, physically safe for him. Um, and his mom, he said, was a prostitute. She's been described as cold, neglectful, domineering, and mm-hmm. a lot of people theorize that this is where his hate of win- his hatred of women came in. Right. I mean, they. It's also reported they left him dirty, hungry often, and he would beg to be held and hu- like hugged at an yeah. early age. So it's really traumatic what he went through. But naturally, when you grow up with that upbringing, you can't form you know healthy relationships, especially no. with women. You know he had a hatred of women, so. Right. Uh, he had numerous lovers, spouses, marriages. He had children. Um, just would not work out with any of them. So he was married numerous times. Um, he had a daughter. He also started to sexually abuse at the when she was six. Right. So I so mean, there's a lot of things that go into to his story. That's just not. Yeah, this is not gonna no. be well. I mean, so we. It's funny though. Right, because he is this this ball of kinetic immoral energy yeah. floating through the world. Yeah. There's nothing good coming out of that energy. Not at all. And this ball of energy just happens to be floating and meet another giant kinetic ball of weirdly immoral and dangerous energy. And it just happens to be floating in the Black Stallion Card Room, which is a poker club in Sacramento, California, in September of 1977. He meets a 20-year-old woman named Charlene Williams when he's 31. And her background doesn't start off as 
kind of grimy and traumatic as Gerald's, does it, D? No, but uh, you would think two negatives equal a positive, and it certainly does that. Two I lefts don't make a right. Do two not, tops don't make a bottom. This, like, all this, these things. All these things. Don't go together. Because although she did not start off well, um, Charlene, who was born October 10th, 1956, um, she grew up pretty much well off. Her dad was a respected entrepreneur that's a word that i have difficulties with take your time i'm not allowed to make fun of you anymore i took all my time Uh, (laughs) he was a respected entrepreneur and a vice president of a supermarket chain so they had a little bit of money his um her parents would travel a lot because of this job um in school they said she was pretty quiet and shy she had good attendance um but things began to change by high school Mm. yeah as it does Bad influences. She began uh, taking drugs, bragging to her friends about um, her lovers that were of different races. Yeah, can we talk? There's a there's gonna be a conversation on this <laughs> we're gonna, podcast. We're gonna talk about this. No, <laughs> not right now. Okay, yeah. But there's gonna be a conversation on this podcast about fetishization. And yes, we were just talking about this like. off mic, and yeah. I re- forgot she definitely did the same thing. So she was bragging about a lover named Tyrone, which is like one of the most cliche black names she could pull out of her <laughs> yeah. ass. So I think that I don't think that was true. I think she just met a black guy and like named I, him Tyrone. People who are differently than you, like, so there's exoticization, fetishization. People that are different than you are from different places than you or look different than you are differently abled than you do, are not a topic of conversation for you to tell your friends what you did last night over brunch. Like, that's right, not what right. they're meant to do. They're meant, people are valuable and deserve to be desired right. and treated with dignity. You know. That's all I'm going to say about that. We're moving on. <laughs> well, moving on. Because um, she makes no sense. I mean, Charlene, besides the fact that she got into drugs prior to this, she had a high IQ. And I do want to make a point to say she had a high IQ of yeah. 160. So she had a lot of chances and possibilities because she, like I said, grew up well off. She had a high IQ, but fell into the wrong crowd. And eventually she married a guy who was a heroin addict. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Going she doesn't off, know how to pick them is what I'm saying. Not a little bit. Um, Eventually, she divorced his first husband. Her first husband, um, they had a pretty bad, tumultuous relationship. But right. one of the things um, I want to point out is that he did not like the fact that her family was so involved in their relationship. It was very problematic to their relationship. And it was one of the reasons why they got divorced. Um, she did meet a probably better guy for her afterwards that was a soldier, but she got bored of him. Um, she said he was a mama's boy. So that wasn't something she was interested in. Be like that sometimes. <laughs> and they also got divorced. Um, soon after that, she had an affair with uh, a married man. Uh, she was, this is where I'm going to say she was definitely bisexual because she wanted to have sex with his wife as well. So she was trying to do a little menage. Mm-hmm. Did not work out. And then she almost committed suicide, but survived. Actually, did she did attempt suicide, but mm. survived. And then she met Gerald. Yeah, so I think what we see here, there's there's this woman who has this kind of pristine life growing yeah, up, yeah. right? And we see this all a lot, a lot in movies. Uh, even if you might know somebody like this in your high school who comes from this very affluent, uh, well-to-do background. She had a house. She had a house. Screw you. And I would I would argue that some people who don't have houses are more well-adjusted than others. I would just... <laughs> <laughs> let's be petty together. But 
No, she, this woman who's just bored with this very suburban life, you know, and is looking for a change. Right. And I think, but this is, I think that's also what drove the, well, if I'm rich and pristine and white, I'm going to go look for this black guy. Like, there's all these things. I can tell you stories about that. Well, I and mean, so, like, there's parts of this story where I'm like, this makes sense. She's just looking for something more exciting. Mm-hmm. She's looking for that bad boy. And if you see pictures of Gerald Gallego, you can see that he thinks he's this tough, buff, bad. He is not that attractive. <laughs> he, he, she was pretty she was pretty she was very she's she's yeah. very still alive but yeah. she's uh yeah, <laughs> yeah right but we just we're not killing her off but like she was attractive he wasn't ugly he was fit and he she thought better but they're probably but probably not because they're both terrible so like it's <laughs> but it's like it's, it's just she's just bored and is looking for a way to really get out of that mm-hmm. and so she meets gerald and like I said, she's a, he's this bad boy, and it's not long before Gerald moves into Charlene's apartment. Um, and this Wasn't is where, it like a week or something? It's like a, a, little, a little over a week. I think it was two weeks. Mm. Um, and we could talk about, like, we talked about it when we talked about, uh, I think we talked about Colleen Stan a little bit. We talked about, I can't remember what other episode it was. We talked about attachment styles. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are certain attachment styles where people become, like, the caretaker. As an adult, you become the parent to your lover mm-hmm. and things like that. I think, is that avoidant? Might be. And so, like, this, you see through the, the thread for me throughout this is that she's protecting or taking care of him while also trying to preserve herself. Right. And so, I think this, you know, come move in with me because you have nowhere else to be that happens right away. Mm-hmm. But it's not long before those true colors of his show. He becomes incredibly controlling and abusive. Mm-hmm. And because of this, she comes in with these addictive tendencies already. Mm-hmm. And Gerald is down for whatever, as we know. Right. They they turn to narcotic use, and it becomes really becomes a glue of their relationship. Like getting high is the only real thing they have in common at this point. Right. Um, and that's enough. Sometimes that's enough to if you're working towards a single goal, teamwork makes the dream work. And so for them, I don't know why I said that, but for <laughs> them, that is what they move to. Right. But things become uh, challenging to them because it seems that. Gerald, at some point, couldn't perform. Mm -mm. And a lot of times when you have sexual or intimacy issues, you want to try new things to try to get arousal to happen. Mm -hmm. And that might involve toys, new partners, dangerous situations, things that get your heart rate up. Right. And for them, it was partners. They would have other women. I mean... Being that she was definitely bisexual, um, she got to explore that side of herself, too. And for a while, that worked. Yeah, but the problem with them, too, also, is that they were seeking very young girls to share their bed with. Right. So they they were looking for people that uh, were easily accessible and looking for places to sleep or stay. So they're grabbing runaways, um, young sex workers. Uh, There was a point in time where... There was a teenage runaway that was staying with them. and, And Gerald got really irked because if they found out that Charlene was having sex with her without, without him present. Mm-hmm. And so like Charlene is definitely on a spectrum sexuality wise. Yeah, I mean, she doesn't... I think that's a, another reason why Charlene ended up going the way she was going. I mean, she was in that affluent upbringing and there's things that aren't socially acceptable. So where is she going to fit in with, with somebody below her? Right. You know what I'm saying? Or beneath her, like class wise. So. Yeah, it, it got really trying for for them, right? And Charlene was getting into a weird spot. We talked about traumatic bonding, too. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things that start happening here. And Charlene starts to realize that because his violent tendencies and his aggression, much like other people we've met, are trying to... What is their names? 
Who? The people who took Colleen Stan, I cannot remember their names. I cannot remember. But it was the same. Either. Her and his wife were the same exact person, essentially. Right. And but except that that wife was like, well, we can say that Charlene was abusing them too, but you know, this like I she feel- was she was very hands on. Right. Uh, but in this, she's realized that in order to preserve herself, she needs to find a way to curb his violent sexual appetite, and so right. she starts to oblige and appease that and humor that in him mm-hmm. and he's this anti-social violent controlling person and all of those things sometimes does a sociopath make right and we see this because you want to take it um yeah so until september 10th 1978 um Keep in mind, like you, you were saying, he's going through a whole nev- different level of violence, right. um, and she doesn't want to be the target of that violence anymore. So they come up to an idea, um, I guess, while they were shopping in a uh, Sacramento's Country Club Plaza, um, they see two teens, Rhonda, who was age seventeen, and Kippy, who was age sixteen, and they pick them up and put them in the van. Yeah, they they decide. First of all. I want to stop here because I have a problem with couples with vans. I never trust a van that has just like the two windows up front and no windows in the back. Just remember, you guys, nothing good ever happens in the van. I don't trust unless it's a Chrysler Town and Country Dodge Caravan. Any any van that's literally any van that's older than a 2005. I'm sketchy. I, I don't trust a van when I'm driving. I I'm gonna stop like <laughs> you see those ones with those like curtains. When in the I mirror. saw the like the you know work of the documentary version yeah. of that vehicle, I was like, it's always a van in the 70s. It's always the van. It's always a van, and so we see that because at this point. Much like in the Colleen Stan situation, they decided that they're going to abduct people and they're going to use them for sexual slavery. Um, But usually when you see things like sexual slavery, this is kidnapping, um, imprisonment, continued assault, uh, and then either release or murder. That's typically what happens in this. But that's not the way... Like, their idea of sexual slavery is not what it usually is. Their idea is kidnapping, rape, murder. And so what happens is that Gerald repeatedly rapes these two girls throughout the night after they pick them up. Uh, And the next day, he drives down. uh, I want to say that it's, uh, what's the name of this place? Sloth House? Sloth House, yeah. And he makes them get out of the car. He digs this ditch, and he beats Kippy in the head with his tire iron. (sighs) Buries her and goes back and gets the other girl, um, whose name I'm going to mess Rhonda. <laughs> Rhonda, thank I you. I got you, I got you. I'm just, because I'm <laughs> talking really loud and reading my notes. Um, does the same thing and ends up shooting each girl in the head with a 25 caliber pistol. Right. So, it's, this is where he is now. Like, this is just where he is. This is, and this is a starting point. And we can talk about how in his past, because Gerald has had a history. You talked about it briefly. He had 23 run-ins with the police prior to meeting Charlene. Mind you, he's older than her by 10, 11 years. Right. And so he had 23 run-ins with the police, including a prison escape. Right. So his level of criminality is not is not already, like, it's not a baby one. He's not trying it out. He's mm. not giving himself this small allowance. He knows what he wants to do. Right. I mean, like you said, at this point, there's rapes. There's, like, she had charges on him, pawn charges, pawn charges. So he, we already passed the the point of where it's just trying it out because he already did that. And now it's just an escalation part. Right. So it, it gets really, really messy after this. And so, right. after this first murder, there is, 
again, there's typically a cooling off period with serial killers, uh, just to kind of either bask in what you've just done and try to in, 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 in enjoy, enjoy that grandiose feeling of power and control. Mm-hmm. And in this, a couple things got conflated, and I think right. romantic feeling got conflated in this as well right. because. Now, these two have decided that they're going to marry each other, right? And yeah. not only are they going to marry each other, they need to tell everybody the good news. And so what Gerald thought was a good idea was yeah. that he was going to go to his four, now 14-year-old daughter mm-hmm. and tell her that he's made this huge life change right. and that he's going to marry this this young woman. Again, this young, beautiful woman. I think she was like 5'1", 110 pounds, like yeah. small, pretty thin. Um and his daughter, who's living with his mother in mm-hmm. Chico, California, because as you stated earlier, he was molesting her at six years old. Right. And so he had somebody who had some some uh, sense at some point in her life now, right? Mm-hmm. Like his mom has grown up right. from where she was and now has a stepfather that not, is not only present, but super protective of his mm-hmm. step-granddaughter. Right. And so something yeah. happens in this visit. That sets off a lot of alarms for Mama. Well, apparently, Charlene and Jill attended a sex party. You're calling her Charlene, it's Charlene. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so Charlene, Charlene, <laughs> and Gerald attended a sex party with the 14-year-old daughter and a friend. Right, which sets Mama. Mama off. was not about it. And also, think about re-traumatizing your daughter. Like right. things like just don't like you experience any kind of anything, any kind of sexual intimacy within the range of the person who was molesting you at a young age cannot be healthy for anyone's psyche. Mm-hmm. And so, Mom flips out, and Dad, stepdad, chases him out of the house with a rifle. You gotta you go. You gotta do what you gotta and do. And not only that, Mama calls the cops. Mm-hmm. And this sparks a little, uh, their first little on the run, Beyonce, Jay-Z. Uh, oh, give her the Bonnie and Clyde. I don't do Beyonce and Jay-Z. Yeah, like you're this. right. The Bonnie and, <laughs> that's like on the run was the tour. But they start their little Bonnie and Clyde thing. And mm-hmm. so they, and for them, they ran and they dumped a bunch of guns. Like mm-hmm. things that were in the, like no vans, guys. A bunch Nothing of guns. Nothing good happens in vans, y'all. And they go to Reno and they marry under fake names, Reno, Nevada. Mm-hmm. Stephen Fail, who's actually, was the name that Gerald took and was actually Charlene's cousin. Cousin's name. And Charlene's mother, again, super involved for absolutely no reason yeah, in her life. Yeah, the parents were enabled. Helped get the identification so they can get a new birth certificate and all these things. Like it, they went out of their mind. Like and, as parents, though, are you gonna like? Are you gonna ask like, why does your new fiance need a name change? Right, you need like to, where does that conversation head? Where you okay it in a name? But that's what I'm saying is that her parents had um, her parents had to have some kind of sociopathic tendencies <laughs> as well because there's nowhere in the world you had no idea right. what your children were up to but her father actually hooks Gerald up with a job as a truck driver mm-hmm. uh in Houston so they move there and while at the same time an arrest warrant goes out for Gerald now in Chico California for these felony charges and we're not only for what happened and the uh what's that the, the there's a word for it I keep forgetting it for the charges of you know you can't bring a child to a sex, sex party. party there's right. a whole bunch of things endangerment of a minor there's all yeah. these things but not only that but now because she has spoken about it the charge of molesting his daughter is now like, is now added to right. this so he is officially on the run again right. this guy is not he's um, he's not new to running He's had a prison escape in his history. He knows how to hide, where to sling, where to go. 
And so in this time too, she does get pregnant. She does get pregnant and also decides Has that an she abortion. does not want it. Which I, which is just, I mean, I guess not all couples want kids. I guess. Well, I think the real reason is is like it's the same thing uh, we see it all the time where you don't want to be pregnant by a man who is dangerous, right? And also rapes. The and also rapes young people. So like, <laughs> that, so I mean, this is this is this is not a place where we're talking about who's pro life and who's pro choice. So we're not going down that route. Oh, I but was we going... un- we can understand like what Why, what this yeah, all is. The thinking. And so for the most part, like life in Houston. Um, is all right. And while these police, the police are trying to serve their warrant, homeboy is running the highways of Houston. He's nowhere near their near his nope. old home. Nope. And for the most, like, life wasn't too great in Houston. It just no. wasn't. By the spring of 1979, he had been fired or he'd quit several jobs. And so they packed up and they went back to the place where they swore their lives to each other. Beautiful Reno, Nevada. Right, I've never been. I'm just gonna assume it's pretty. Cause memories. I never been to Reno. I went to Vegas. You said cause memories. I was like, is there memories some... of their wedding? Oh, I was like, are there stories you need to tell? I mean, no, I was pretty good in Vegas. What happens in Vegas was documented <laughs> for... on Instagram and Snapchat. <laughs> right for me, it was what happened in Baltimore. Just in Baltimore. Oh, I was like Baltimore. <laughs> Baltimore. I was like, is that in Haiti? <laughs> <laughs> I can't stand you. I was told to leave you alone, but I can't. <laughs> Don't tell him to leave me alone because he's on a rise. Like he's doing it more. He's doing and it so more. So they they kind of keep a low profile. I can't help it. Sorry. Um, up until about June twenty fourth of nineteen seventy nine. So there's the there's a the county fair. Yeah, and Gerald is back on what he wants and his desire for these sex slaves and. And They're hunting, and right. if you're looking for young people... County fair. That's exactly what I was going to say. If you're going to look... Trash. Fair. And unfortunately, it's oh, there. Did you, did you see us? Yeah, <laughs> I did. Okay, because I'm thinking like fairs. I'm like, oh. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, fairs will never like, be the same. I I'm never bringing my child to a... Me, I just can't never do this again. anymore. I quit. I'm done with the episode. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> but he meets 14-year-old Brenda and 13-year-old Sandra there. Um, they were, you know... Enjoying the Enjoying festivities, it. getting some fried dough, playing mm-hmm. the games. She's probably fun. checking out the boys and or girls. I don't know what they were into. Whatever they were into. But things that teenagers do mm-hmm. until Charlene got a hold of them. She walks up to them and she offers them money in exchange for distributing flyers. And young kids at a fair being offered money to do something as simple as handing out flyers, of course they agree. She lures them back to the van, and it's there where they meet Gerald. Um, and of course they get into the back of the vehicle because Gerald takes them in, and while Char- Charlene is driving, um, down I eighty, Gerald is repeatedly uh, raping these two girls, and she watched in the rearview mirror as it was happening. Right, and so as is with young girls and attending fairs, they do not go unnoticed when they don't come home. Right, and so relatives reach out to police and say, "These girls didn't come home. We need to find them. They were here. They're at the Washoe County Fair. We need to do it." And while these things are happening, down Route 395 in California, Gerald is walking off with the girls one at a time into the woods where he once again assaults them and then beats them over the head with a hammer and buries them in a shallow grave, all while leaving Charlene in the van. So he, again, there's no, cool, like, there's no, I wouldn't even call this berserk. I feel like he's hitting it. 
he's hitting a stride. There was a good amount of time between the two murders, mm-hmm. but it's such a he's got such a method and a routine down now right. that he's been thinking about this for a while. It's always a blunt objects. Um, but because these two different uh, these two sets of murders happen in different states, it's hard to connect. Right. Um, and so and because they're also living under assumed names, three months later they head back up towards Sacramento. Right. Under their new fake names, and they get right back into the hardcore drug use once again. And guess what? Which ugh, I'm I'm not an addict, or I've never been an addict, but I've done enough research on it. Impotence is and can be a result of extended drug use, and so right. once again, impotence and underperformance becomes a, th- a theme in Gerald's life, and he begins to blame Charlene, which means he starts also to be aggressive and abusive towards her once again. And so now he's looking... She realizes that at some point he's going to hit that breaking point where he's going to go out looking again for something else. Right. Uh, And... And he does. And he does. So on April 24th, 1980, they go to the Sunrise Mall in Citrus Heights. I don't know why my brain... (laughs) Which was a um, Got it. a suburb of yeah <laughs> of Sacramento. Of I mean, and they they definitely went. They were they were casing. They had yeah. gone. They went to a mall in Sacramento. It didn't work out. They went to a school, and because it was the morning, kids were inside it. Right. So they were just like, okay, what do you do? And that's when they ended up at Citrus Heights, which is a great name, mm-hmm. where they met Stacy and Karen. Um, again, they. Same thing. He, they both actually. Was this where she uh, sexually abused them? Well, she lures them back into the van. Yeah. Okay, and he sexually abuses them um, again. So. Yeah. Yeah. It is another thing. So, in which which is really intense in this is that usually you see him he'll attack these women, kill them or girls, I'm sorry, and leave them somewhere nearby. In this case, they get in the van and they head to Nevada. Uh, and again, Charlene is driving and he's in the back raping them. Uh, yes. And now when the girl's mom, put her daughter is missing because they didn't return home from the mall. And one of the things that irked me about the story in most true crime cases mm-hmm. is that there was no sense of urgency when they reported this because these girls had a tendency to be, to and be known as runaways. Right. So now they're just being treated as missing persons and not kidnapped victims. Right. So there was no intense investigation that was happening. So it was so easy for them to cross over back into Nevada and to state, and across the state lines. And once they get there, they arrive at Limerick Canyon, uh, which is half hike half gold mine uh and gerald untied one of them and took them into the brush and then returned for the other and he kills them with the hammer and he buries them and he comes back for charlene this time and forces her to watch him bury them like watches him with the shovel and so at this point like he's not we know that he's not just trying to rape or assault these women he's murder is his drive like it's what's really keeping him going um, and it's also at this point in June that Charlene discovers once again that she is two and a half months pregnant mm-hmm. uh, with Gerald's child. I'm sorry, July. She's two and a half months pregnant with this child. And this time it's known and she's not getting rid of no, it. No, she's not getting rid of it. And this is kind of why their next victim after this pisses me off. Yeah. And it's and also... It's and just you're going to have to talk about it because this one... <laughs> but what's also odd about this too is that they, they're going into this kind of fake happy idyllic family life so they're pregnant and they're going on vacation Mm -hmm. and this 
And in this, they've decided to go to Oregon and they're driving. And when they get into Gold Beach, Oregon, they see on the road a young 21 year old and pregnant Linda Aguilar hitchhiking. Yes. And they pull up, they pick her up, and it's the same thing with like the Colleen Stan things. Like, look, we have these kids. Like, we're we're not dangerous at all. Right, right. And so it's like, hi, I'm this young, pretty, pregnant woman. This is my husband. They're both pregnant, right? And so there, you would think so that there's, there's some a kind of probably bonding. She trusted right. them. It happens. Uh, they pick her up, and once she's in the van, Gerald immediately begins to assault her. Uh, when Gerald, <laughs> Gerald realizes that he can't get up to task, this infuriates him. And now remember that Linda is not his his typical victim at this point. His typical victim is like 13 to 15. Mm-hmm. Linda's a woman. She's 21 and she's pregnant. Right. So she's older than he typically goes. Right. So now that now it's his it's her fault mm-hmm. that he can't perform in this, right? And so he ends up they end up at a beach and he takes Linda down there, uh further down the beach where he proceeds to beat her over the head with a rock. And so now it's becoming less and less focused. His 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 attacking women isn't isn't kind of relegated to a certain age group anymore. He doesn't no. care. No, he like doesn't. this is this is where we see I, the. I, uh, I wonder if he picked her because what's her face was pregnant. Right, and this is maybe him trying to get Tested out his out anger. But it also at this point, I think it also shows Charlene that she isn't safe anymore. No. Like he does, he has no problem beating or killing a woman who's pregnant. And maybe that was the reason he chose her specifically is to let Charlene know that I still run everything in this van, in this house, that I have all the power. And on July 22nd, uh, 1980, tourists find the body of Linda on the beach in a shallow grave. And the sad part about this is that according to the pathologist, she was still alive. They found sand in her lungs when she was buried. So she was, there was a chance that she could have survived if someone had found her sooner. Right. So, this is seven murders in less than two years mm-hmm. at this point. Like, they're out it's of control. It's hard when we're, I'm doing serial kills with so much of a body count to keep track. No, it really like, is. I get so, it's so difficult. I'm like, where are we? Which one is this? This is awful. Why are these people doing this? Uh, and then you unfortunately have to read the same thing over and over again, too. Like, what they did to these victims. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I try so hard to, to to push through because these things are are heavy to deal with when you're are, talking I don't about know it. what it is about like talking about people getting raped and like it's one thing if you're watching it but when you have to vocalize it and hear it come out of your mouth well, even like i i have a hard time um just because i've got some sexual violence in my history right. um not me perpetrating it y'all chill out but <laughs> why would anyone think that? well you never people this is true people would. people are like you know people are like what did he do what did he just admit to you got to clarify for this people um so, like, when I come across rape scenes that are unexpected, that always bothers me. Mm. It makes me uncomfortable. So, uh, I don't remember what movie I was watching. It was, just like, some gigolo movie or something. A Mysterious Skin. That's what it was. You ever mm. see Mysterious Skin with Jordan mm. Joseph Jordan Joseph Levitt? Daddy? Yes, him. And he is a young sex worker. And he ends up being assaulted by one of his uh, one, of, one of his tricks, clients, whatever the proper word is when right. it comes to sex work. Because at that point, they're not... Sex workers are victims and right. parents are abusers. But so he's like, and I did not expect that because they usually don't show the actual act until mm. that. And it was, it was very violent and bloody. And I was like, this is danger. I yeah, can't do no, this. Yeah, there was a movie that triggered me not too long ago. Like it was just a similar story to mine. I was like, oh, this is not okay. Right. I didn't even expect the reaction. Yeah. So yeah. about a month later, after he, after he kills uh, Linda, 
uh, on July 16th, 1980, the couple heads to the Sail Inn in West Sacramento, where they meet a Virginia mogul, who is a regular at the bars. She's a bar back, bar maid, whatever you want to call them. Single mama. Single mama. She was doing it. Yeah, she was out here enjoying life, you know, doing what she had to do to support her baby, which yeah, she is... she did. Do your thing. So Charlene starts chatting her up and they convince her to join them for, you know, a drink back at their apartment Mm -hmm. where she ends up being repeatedly raped by Gerald. Mm -hmm. And this is where there there are reports that Charlene got in on this. Right. um, Where they and then he ends up strangling her and decides to dispose of the body. Right. And the problem with this, the problem with this is that Virginia was incredibly liked. Right. And this is where they screwed up. Right. Is that you can't just, there's certain people you can pick off. Like, he he just happened to be, to get away with a lot, the Washoe County kids because right. they were, you know, they, they were kind of deviants and you got to let them do teenager things. But for a woman who had kids and was always a, the life of the party at this bar, you so can't I, just. Right. So, like, it, you know, and the thing that they were talking about when I was reading the doc, or watching the documentary about this, like, during closing time, like, even, like, the, the people coming into the bar would wait. Right. For her and walk her out. You because know? they like, like, it's just who, it's, everyone has had their favorite bartender. I've right. got mine in my dive bar downtown. And mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, she sings down at karaoke. You know, you want right. to, I walk into her car if I'm still there at closing. Cause I do close out the bar. Cause I'm fire like that. <laughs> I'm still not too old, but it's, uh, but it's things like that. So she was missed and it sparked an investigation and witnesses, because they care about her, were paying attention to who she was talking to. Mm-hmm. And they just happened to be able to talk about this very loud, and gregarious couple that seemed to be very interested right. in her. And so in Virginia, I almost called her Victoria. And so at this point, they actually locate and reach out to Charlene and convince her to come to the police station to answer some questions. But Charlene claims she was too drunk to remember anything about the night, doesn't remember meeting Virginia, and kind of cons her way out of questioning. Right. Right. And so it wasn't until... You know, they kind of get out of this and they're hanging low. She tells Gerald, like, hey, you know, we got some heat going. But on the same, in the same month, about 11 days later, a man camping with his young children in Limburg Canyon, Nevada, mm-hmm. as, you know, as they were, as their kids were playing, they found what looked like a bone sticking out of the ground. It ends up being the foot of a skeleton. Right. And the police were called and it ends up being the remains of Karen and Stacy Redican. Who were murdered and driven to Nevada, remember? Right, earlier. Uh, exactly. So both girls had been bound with their hands tied behind their backs, sexually abused, and then beaten to death with a blunt instrument. So these are the same. So now things like evidence is starting to pop up now because they do a terrible job of hiding things. It's not like right. they never like did that much digging and burying. It was very shallow graves. So. Yeah, yeah, like I don't, because I think there's this is a there's a like cockiness and arrogance. Yeah. Like you, we can do what we want. And you're never gonna catch us. They're literally under the noses of the people of because when that first the first girls were taken from Sacramento, right. you know, and murdered, and they're still looking for those killers. Right. And it's around this same time in July that police received several complaints from Charlene's neighbors about the couple's explosive fights. So now things are getting things are getting out of hand. There's anxiety going on, and they actually end up splitting up. Right. Charlene moves back in with her over controlling parents and Gerald starts apartment and motel hopping. So there is They're uh, not to Gillen no more. No, and like you know, all these in I in all these in Oregon, in Nevada and California, these investigations are going on independently of each other because no one knows that they're connected. Right. Until, Until. October second, a little over two months after she disappeared, 
the skeleton of Virginia Mocum is discovered, right? She was found with her arms bound with fishing line along the Sacramento River. And the investigation kicked up, and there were mentions of fishing line in the discussions with witnesses surrounding Charlene and Gerald uh, when she was being looked at previously. So now the ears are perked up for police. Right. And as like I said, I think they became so arrogant that they just became sloppy. And maybe in there, people would argue that they just want to be caught, right? Who knows? I really, you know, one of the things that stood out to me again when I was watching one of the documentaries was Virginia Mogo's son talking about how much he loved his mother. That right. was really painful. I just I couldn't I couldn't that. imagine. I mean, I lost my mom tragically, but it wasn't through violence. You know, I couldn't right. imagine. Like being so young and knowing and like having such a like my mom was so vibrant and like mm-hmm. effervescent mm-hmm. and so like losing her was like a light went out in the world. So imagine being Which now is, and I was seventeen. So Which imagine is how being they described Virginia. Yeah. So imagine yeah. being my mom was the life of the party. <laughs> so so like think about being that young and losing that and losing that love and that support right. that you were able to wake up to and go to sleep to every night. It hurts my heart. Right. When he was speaking about it, it was almost yeah. like it was still new to him. Like yeah. it was still fresh. I think anybody who loses older. a parent, no matter when you bring it up, mm-hmm. like I said, it sounds like I'm talking very nonchalantly, but it always hits you in a weird spot to say mm-hmm. it because retelling is reliving and it's weird. Um, but it isn't long in this moment when all these things are in behind the scenes, these lines and dots are being connected that Gerald starts to get that itch again. And he reaches out to Charlene, even though they're separated because he knows that she's way too invested at this point in this mess. There are eight murders in, she's been a party to him. She can't just simply walk away from it now. Somebody has to drive the van, I suppose. So he convinces her to join him again and they go and they search for their next victim. And it's at this point that they come upon a young couple, 21-year-old Mary Beth Sowers and 22-year-old Craig Miller. They're leaving a dance at around 1.30 on November 2nd, 1980. And according to some witness reports, they're seen in a car with a grungy stranger. We're going to guess that that's that's Gerald (laughs) on the passenger side. And so one of their friends, you know, is kind of chatting. And then we see Charlene show up, slaps him in the face. And tells them to get out of the car. Like all the, there's all like, dramatic. Yeah, usually it's a there's a, a finesse to her, but this time like we see that now her behavior is just She's like mad. abrupt and angry, and so this happens. Well, you didn't have to come, sis. Right. And so not after long, they stop at a spot near Bass Lake where Gerald ends up shooting and killing Craig Miller. Mm-hmm. They bring Mary Beth Sowers back to their apartment where she's assaulted for hours. Charlene then drives them to a field in Placer County, California, where she's shot in the head three times. So we... I found it interesting that they took a couple involving a male. I always found that the last... Right. I think he was I think he was just kind of con- collateral damage in this. He didn't... Yeah, he like, Mary crazy. Beth was his target. But again, Mary Beth is 21 years old. Like, but, not his typical victim. So he's just reaching. He's, he's just, just reaching, right. He sees because, what he wants and he wants You it. know, his thing was he would hunt for these prey right. for a little bit. And now he's just grabbing whatever is the first thing. So here we are. So it is a, it is a mess. And what and, makes this... I'm sorry? You know, go ahead. No, okay. So <laughs> the next day, next day, there's a missing person report is filed with the police. Uh, Miller is found within a span of a few hours of the report being filed, um, again, November 3rd, uh, near Bass Lake. Uh, but what Gerald and... Didn't realize. Is that the friends had gotten the license plate. Mm-hmm. That the car that they drove off in. Right. They saw them 
Escalating take their friends. Yeah, they saw them. <laughs> and so they told the police, hey, we when the report went out, we saw this car that they left in. We didn't realize they were being kidnapped, but we did see him we see them go. And so where where does this <laughs> license plate lead them, D? To a van. <laughs> to a van. <laughs> I hate you. To a van and Charlene's parents' house. Naturally. Right. And Charlene is there, answers the door, the boldness, and says, oh, the car was stolen. She informs Gerald, and they, once again, Bonnie and Clyde it, and they head out because they know that this is it. Like, the the walls are closing in on them. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, when you're on the run, what do you need sometimes? Food. I guess it's food. And money. Also, (laughs) green, dinero, ducats, coins, change. You need it to be able to live because you can't use credit cards and things like that. So things are traceable sometimes. Well, at least now. Back old old credit cards were harder to trace. Well, (laughs) at this point, you know, they need to get the money for somewhere and the both of them are not working. So Mm -hmm. who comes to the restrooms but Shirlene's mama and daddy. <laughs> now, actually, they had been talking to the police, yeah. um, so they notified them at where they were going to be. But they still Western Union the money to them and tell the police where they're going to be. Which is not the smartest thing to do, but I mean, I guess you do what you got to do to exonerate yourself, right? You gotta, right. Like, I mean, you, I mean, they probably like did so much of the helping them get. I mean, they were probably right. looking a way to get out of it at this point. And so while they were getting their money at the Western Union at the bank, actually. Yeah, November 17th, the cops show up in the federal, sorry, the FBI (laughs) shows up (laughs) and hauls them away. And finally, they are arrested. And so five days later, too, after they're arrested, the body of Mary Beth Sowers is actually found Found, dumped in a ditch in Placer County uh, where she was shot, too. So... In jail, still, we see they're held in two different places. That Gerald is still manipulating Charlene in a way. He's sending her letters about, I love you. I'm always going to be here for you. I'm never going to let anything happen to you. I got you. AKA, D- don't tell on me. Don't say. Keep your mouth shut, shut. Shut up. Keep your mouth shut, shut. He's saying all that, but in the same time, he's writing letters to other people saying, if she ever turns on me, she's going down with me. <laughs> I'm telling like, so he, a manipulative jerk the entire way. Yeah. And so, but even this, January 17th, 1981, while in jail, Charlene gives birth to a son and the baby is placed in the care of Charlene's parents which bothers me <laughs> it's like so bothers the, me wholeheartedly. the 80s was a wild time it well, I mean the 2010s are a wild time <laughs> there's a lot of things that happen like this and who knows maybe it was the birth of the baby that changed her mind and she wanted to have a life after jail if there was one because she, at this point, she's facing down a possible death sentence. Yeah, she was. And there's no way to get around it, especially in California in the 80s. There was no luck. No. So she agrees to a plea bargain where she agrees to give up Gerald and the details of all the crimes. Mm-hmm. And this is where she reveals to the cops the other eight murders. Remember, they're holding them for Craig Miller right. and like Mary Beth. They're not holding them for the other ones. And they're shocked when, they, when, they, <laughs> when she reveals this information. They're like, wait, what? Right, so like, uh, places too of the bodies were located. Right, she, they, she they, they they take her. They there. take her there. Yep, um, all of that happens. So his love letters certainly did not work out. No, and he gets sentenced to death. Yes, so there. I mean, there are some things that happen, but she does in fact get sentenced to death, and Char- and Charlene for cooperating gets, gets sixteen in eight months, mm-hmm. uh, without parole. But we'll get to that too. 
and so after a year, Gerald goes on trial in Sacramento County, right? He tra- his first time he defends himself. Mm-hmm. Um, Which and, is always a no-no. They tell you not to do it. Right. And it turns out he ends up incriminating himself while in the questions that he's asking. And another thing, like, especially if you're, I'm not going to give, like, tips to, like, Syracuse, but you are reliving your crimes when you're doing this. When right. you're like, it's you not a good idea. And you don't, yeah, and you can't you're, not, you're gonna slip up. You're gonna slip up. So right. So June 20th, 21st, 1983, Gerald Jalego is sentenced to death for the murders of Craig Miller and Mary Beth Sowers. Mm-hmm. And so in November of '83, Charlene is formally sentenced to the 16 years and eight months. Mm-hmm. And now Gerald gets extradited to Nevada because yeah. remember for that one <laughs> uh, so to stand for the trial and deaths of Karen Twiggs and Stacy Redican and. There's a lot of things that's saying he's still trying to be this intimidating guy, this mm-hmm. bad boy. He's staring people down in the courtroom. Guess what? It don't work, sis. Because June 25th, 1984, he gets sentenced to the death for those girls' dead. murders yeah. as well. And after this, after testifying, Charlene goes back to prison. Mm-hmm. And August of 1997, at age 40, she gets released on parole after her agreement says that she, like, she does these 16 years and eight months. And like she serves a hearty, what, 13 Mm-hmm. 14? Yeah. She doesn't even do her entire time. No. She wasn't supposed to be able to get out early. She That's the point. Yeah. Solid that was the agreement. So I, I was trying to figure out what exactly fell through that let her happen. Probably. Something crazy. Like it was the 90s, man. And I, like if it's the 90s in California, <laughs> we knew what was going down. So she's out today and alive. Right. She is. And 20 years after they disappeared in Washoe County, those two girls, the skeletal remains of Brenda Judd and Sandra Colley were found right. in Lassen County, California. That so, was in 97 as well. Yes. Yeah, so it's there's there's a mess going on. Um, and frustratingly, maybe not so frustratingly, um, appeal after appeal, like things are going on. Especially denied, when, denied, denied. Denied. Gerald Gallego would never actually end up seeing the execution chamber because nope. on July 18, 2002, at 56, he dies in prison of rectal cancer. Right. So, I mean, he, deserves, he prolongs but... it long enough where, you know. Uh. So here we are. Um, they're a horrific couple. Um, they're not people that I would like to meet ever. Um, she's still alive. I wonder, kind of, but not really. Um, yeah, and that's it. Yeah, I, I kind of wonder where she is. I'm under the assumption that she's changed her name since. Oh, naturally. And things like that. But I'm... Because people change, like, people change their names, they change what they look like, they dye their hair, they change the way they and dress. she probably did it all. Um, I would, I would be, I would like to see what, if any, their relationship looks like between her and her son. Um, because that's intense. That's intense. Like, my mama was a criminal, but my mama never went on a killing spree with her man. Like, that, so. Not even my mama was a criminal, my daddy was a criminal. And so. I just can't see that going down, but that is. horrific things. The case of Gerald and Charlene Gallego. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, a listener suggestion. I can't remember who suggested I wrote it down, but it was not, it didn't make it to my outline. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but thank you guys for, I love when you guys suggest things. Uh, they make me dive into things and I love rabbit holes. Um, I hate them though sometimes because if you have to study for school, yeah, you find yourself yeah, up at 2 a.m. reading about serial killers you had nothing, you knew nothing about and you're like, oh. Right. But it's, it was intense to me. I mean, there's a lot of things to break down psychologically here that 
you know, I don't we, have... We, we did in the beginning. Yeah. I mean, their upbringing was nothing he, short of yeah. this is why they end up where they were. Yeah. Holy, trauma. Trauma informs a lot of trauma, things. And if you don't... from the parents. If you don't do the self-work, if you don't go to therapy, if you don't do the things to walk back from the things that hurt you, hurt people, as they say, will hurt people. Mm-hmm. And he had a lot of things going on that he was just too proud to talk about, too. We talked about the abuse mm-hmm. from her, her mother's clients and things like mm-hmm. that. And that, in any way, shape, or form, as a young person, looks like rape. That's right. what it is. Right. And because children just don't understand. So holding those things in, we talk about it all the time, that the secrets make you what? Sick. So there's a lot of things happening here. And unfortunately, all these young folks lost their lives behind someone else's uh, sickly secrets. Like the majority of people do. Yeah. Yeah. There's always a why they're like this. Yeah. What did you do? We should change the show name to Why Did You Do That? That doesn't sound as no, cool. No, that's Never mind. not. Nope. Why you do this? <laughs> that's quicker, right? So where can they find you on the timelines? Instagram. You got to beat me to it. I don't put your hands down. <laughs> Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat. I'm at Charnel B. I never get to say that. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at D underscore I-S-A-4. There yeah. you go. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter as a podcast at What Did You Do Pod. Check out the crew on Facebook. All you gotta do is type in What Did You Crew. It'll pop up. It's there. Join it. They enjoy themselves. You get interaction with us outside of the show. I mean, you could do that anywhere. I talk to everybody all the time. I've got a lot of listeners in not. like my Snapchat and <laughs> like my Instagram DMs, and I'm like, my, I talk. My Facebook and my Snapchat are private. I, yeah. I tend to put family stuff on there, and I have a lot of family stuff. Oh. And then other that, and then I've that. had I have listeners who have requested me. I'm sorry, guys, it's not going to happen. Yeah, Facebook I've got one of those family. names that it's not hard to find me, and I'm not going to make my Facebook private. Oh, I, want, I mean, I but, use my Facebook page to interact in the group, but yeah, I'm not I don't do approving. That. Yeah, I'm not approving anyone because that's how it started. I'm like, guys, I can't accept. I don't know who you are. Like, <laughs> I mean, you know, we're all into true crime. We all might be a little off, so I don't want to. <laughs> But no, I, I do love you guys. And you can follow me on Instagram. Talk to me all the time. I tweet people all the time. Yeah, shout Instagram. Out to Kat. I live on Instagram. I live on Twitter. So shout out to Kat. Um, shout out to Anya, oh, who man. is uh, always talking about her, my fellow North Carolina. North Carolina is winning the chip this year. I don't care. Fuck Duke. That is your energy. I have no energy for that. UNC. Tar Heels. No energy. Carolina sees it, baby. Yeah. Anyway, that's it, guys. Take care of yourselves. Keep your hands clean. Um, all the other good stuff. I don't know what to say. Bye-bye. Bye bye.